Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. What's that you're reading? Oh, this? It's the new book by award-winning real estate investor Quentin D'Souza, The Property Management Toolbox. It has all of the tools and systems for starting out as a new landlord and all of the resources to create less stress while expanding your rental portfolio. It is awesome. Wow, that sounds amazing. Where can I get one? Just go to www.theontariolandlordtoolbox.com. The Property Management Toolbox, a how-to guide for Ontario real estate investors and landlords. I'm going to order my copy right now. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 18. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me again is Sandy McKay. How are you doing today, Sandy? Fantastic as always and pretty excited to give away some more free free real estate investing knowledge here, wisdom and I mean we got a great guest coming up. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about our guest. It was hard to nail him down. He's a busy guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Busy with, uh, well, we're going to talk all about it. TV shows, books, his own business, everything. A lot of great stuff he's doing, and he certainly shared with us a whole bullet of uh, good info here. So there's a lot of good value coming up in this episode. And the guest is Ian Sabo. Yep. Uh, I guess before we get into that, we want to always recommend everyone goes to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Uh, pick up our free gift there, the report, Seven Freedom Activators You Can Trigger in Your Property Starting Right Now. Got a lot of articles, blog posts, bios, links to all the services and all that on the websites. So definitely go check that out. It's BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Yeah, and everyone go over to iTunes and rate and review the show. If you enjoy the show, let us know about it and let others know what we're all about. You know, rating the show is a great way to help us get the show out there to as many people as we can. It just gets us, gives us more visibility to those who already listen to podcasts and will let them know that this is something that people are interested in. So, you know, get over there and just even just uh, go over and rate the show. Give us a couple stars. Five, I guess. Yeah, five. Probably is the best one, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I just want to thank everybody who's done that as well already. And we just wanted to mention here that Sandy and I use audible.com. We listen to a lot of audiobooks because, well, me, myself, the reason I do is because I'm driving pretty much all day, every day. So for me to take in books, it's a heck of an easy way for me to do it. So when you sign up to audible.com through our link at breakthroughreipodcast.ca slash audible free trial, you get one month for free. And that'll just give you one credit to get, download whatever book you want. And there's a ton of business and uh, real estate books in there, just personal self-development books in there, anything you want. So just go over there and get one free month. 
yeah, it's totally worth it. I mean, you get a free book, basically. I mean, put whatever value on that you want. I mean, the first one I downloaded was an 11-hour audiobook. It was well worth it. I think it's like probably a $50 book in stores. So go over there and grab it. It's totally free. You know, why not? And uh, you'll get some good uh, value there. Then you keep it forever, listen to it however many times you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think people should really sign up and actually keep the account. It's well worth it. If you're going to listen to audio, you know, often enough, why not, right? It's great. I love it. I really do. And uh, I thought maybe that I was just going to do the free month. I haven't canceled, so that's saying something. Yeah. Sandy, you just bought a house to flip and bury, didn't you? Mm, yeah, to flip, I don't know yet, though. Might hold it. Oh, yeah? Is yeah. that was that with the pictures that I saw on Facebook, was that of the house? I don't know, actually. <laughs> Completely gutted in the basement with a ladder going up? So oh, no, that's a different one. That was the one here in Hamilton. That is an interesting property. I would love to buy that house, but we're not <laughs> buying it. There was, there was a lot of offers on that house, actually. There was like seven offers today. Very cool property, though. Very, very unique, overlooking the park and everything. There's some awesome properties in Hamilton right now. If anyone's thinking about investing, they should at least consider Hamilton. It's a fantastic market right now. Not that I want to plug my own business too much, but... Oh, why not? You got the platform. Yeah. Um, so so the one that you are buying, tell us about that. We're probably not flipping it because we think we're going to hold it. The only reason we're going to flip it is because it really doesn't cash flow a whole lot once we um, do the work on it. It's a single family property townhouse and, you know, it'll cash flow neutral pretty much, maybe a little bit positive uh, after we fix it and refinance it. So yeah, we're buying it at one fifty five. It's a it's a pretty smoking deal, to be honest. <laughs> we'll we'll put in not too much work, maybe twenty twenty five grand somewhere in that range, and it's gonna be worth. Well, I'm not gonna say what it's gonna be worth yet because I don't know for sure. It's probably depending if we flip it or fix it in a refi, we'll have two different values there because we'll we'll do it nicer for a flip. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So when are you going to decide on that? Probably tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got to decide soon. And we're, we're closing is in about um, well, it's actually going to be maybe the day this episode airs or the day after. I think I think it's the sixteenth. Yeah, we're going to decide. Well, very very soon. So you know, we'll share some some uh, info on how that goes probably on the the next episode. We'll probably be deep into the Renos by that point. Yeah, take us along on the journey. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. So today's guest, like we said, is Ian Zabo, and I was really looking forward to this one. And I've seen him speak at several different events. I knew that when he came on the show, he was going to bring it. And, of course, he did. You're not going to be disappointed. So coming up here with Ian Zabo, we've got uh, a great interview. Ian's going to share with us the real nuts and bolts on flipping houses as you know, he's written a couple books on it, so that's going to be great. He's going to talk about how he went from full-time chef to a full-time house flipper in just a couple of years. And maybe most importantly, at the end of the episode, he's going to share with us why he's given away virtually everything he knows in real estate for free and where you can find that fantastic info. Everyone sit back and listen to our interview with Ian Sabo. 
We're really happy to have Ian Zabo with us tonight, and uh, thanks for being on the show. You know, we're really grateful that you could come out and take the time for us today. Um, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, guys. I, I really appreciate you putting up with my crazy scheduling, so um, thank you, and uh, it's, it's really cool to see you guys doing this podcast. Like, I met you guys, I don't know, four or five years ago, and uh, I think you guys are setting a trend here. For anyone listening there who doesn't know who Ian Zabo is, Ian is a, a real estate agent. He's got a strong background in project management, general contractor work. He's a renovator, investor, and residential real estate as well. And he is also the author of From Renos to Riches and also Fix and Flip, which he uh, co-authored there with Mark Loeffler, who we've had on the show before. Uh, his work has been showcased on programs on HGTV and the W Network. Ian is a sought-after speaker regarding real estate and renovations. And, of course, yeah, really happy to have him here. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Anything to add to that intro, Ian? Uh, proud father, two beautiful girls, and a uh, beautiful wife. Probably the most important. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. reason why I do all this, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. And I just want to say something before we start, since you mentioned the book already, Sandy, and like, this is no BS. When I, uh, I kind of walked into a flip just blind, I just said, let's do it, and... Your book, Renos to Riches, without that, I would have probably fallen flat on my face. It's, it has everything in there, and it's so comprehensive. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, just thanks for putting that out there for us. Thank you. Uh, I'm actually um, considering, you know, that when they asked me to write the book, I was kind of scared, to be honest, to do it. And having uh, some issues reading and writing, I, I did, really didn't want to do it. But uh, when I did do it, I had someone interview me and, and help write the book, and I'm at a point now where I think it's time to actually rewrite it. Um, I've been thinking about rewriting it as well as adding a whole bunch of video content to it because out of the both books, From Reynolds to Riches, to me, is more the nuts and bolts of, of how to do it. Fix and Flip is more a polished business. Yeah, I'm, I've been considering redoing the book and, and having more more insight with with the, the online stuff, the online presence with videos. So thank you for the great feedback. I appreciate that. All right, videos would be really cool. Yeah, like I, I think I learned better with the videos. It's a lot of work to get the videos there and the lights and stuff like that. But I, I think if you do that once, you can really narrow it down in section by section. And, and I think it would be really good. Mm-hmm. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your business as it looks today? Sure. Today, my business is more about, I'm not as much as the nuts and bolts hands-on guy. Um, when I started, I started 14 years ago, so I did all the rentals myself, and that's I was a general contractor, so I kind of worked backwards from there. After writing the books and creating my school, Flip School, where I actually teach people how to, how to do the same thing that I do, um, I started noticing a big gap in the market, and the, and the gap was that 43% of the people that came to my courses, Flip School, were realtors. And I started realizing very quickly that in the beginning, the realtors had a bit of a, a bit of a learning curve that they needed to, to grasp if they wanted to be work with investors. So they need to know more about the renovations and how a house is built and how it's structured. I realized quickly that I could teach people everything they need to know about a house, but the one thing that I couldn't teach them is, is how, to, how to get over the stress. And after I did teach them, they would go out and buy a property and they wouldn't buy the right one. And then they would call me and I have to come and help them consult and, and figure it all out. So I decided to get my real estate license, which was an extremely hard challenge, to be honest with you. I, I failed it three times. It's pretty funny. Best-selling author of two real estate books, but I actually failed my license three times. 
But what it did do is getting that license actually opened a whole bunch of different doors where I can actually bring people to houses. I can show them houses. I love helping people build portfolios, which is kind of interesting because I really didn't have a really good opinion of realtors. And, uh, and now I know there's good ones, but I'd like to think I'm a pretty good realtor having the background that I do have. So I, I pretty well, there's a bunch of things I do. The first thing I do is I teach people about flips. I help people buy houses, and I also consult on people's flips as well. So typically, I'll show them a house. I'll say, this is what you can do with it. People will come to me to help them build a portfolio. And I'm obviously doing my own. I have two or three projects on the go right now that I'm working on. I think it's important to practice what you preach. And I think I'm kind of scratching the itch I had 14 years ago. If I could find a realtor that knew how to flip houses that actually did it for a living, you know, I'd pay them a lot of money. As Sandy, as you know, being a, being a realtor, a good realtor and a crappy realtor pretty well cost about the same amount of money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's been good. I've had my license for a year, and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm meeting a lot of cool people. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm able to show them more houses. I actually really enjoy it. And doing extremely well from what I hear. Yeah, I, I've had, well, I had a bet with Mark Loeffler that I was going to do 44 deals because he did 44 deals his first year, and I came short. I think I did 36 yeah, it's been a crazy year, let's just say. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've helped a lot of people. I've bought a lot of houses myself. I'm kind of winding it down a bit for the rest of this year. You know, I've had a look at the different modules for becoming a real estate agent, and, I mean, that is just a completely different world. I, it's pretty difficult, <laughs> to say the least. Well, the difference between doing the courses and being out there and practicing it is also pretty different. When you say you failed it three times, I mean... Obviously, if you were to just walk out and do it without having to do the, do the courses, you probably would have done a decent job anyways. Yeah, and I think it's, to be quite honest, if I can be really honest and open, I, I never passed any classes reading or writing since I, since I was a kid. So it was more of a mental test for me because I'm like, I'm going to pass this test and it takes me 50 times. And you know, I'm 38 and I have a different mindset and I didn't know what studying was, to be honest. I learned at 38 that studying is not just reading something and then moving on. It's like, if you don't understand it, you got to read it again and then again and again. It, it was a great challenge for me, to be honest with you. At the very end of the day, if, if I ripped it up and threw it in the garbage, I would have been happy with it. But I'm really enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Do you want to just tell us how you got started? I started out 14 years ago painting houses. I was a professional chef for 10 years, and uh, I got really tired of being chained to a stove. I realized quickly that I was 26 when I left, but I realized quickly that I wanted to have a family and I didn't want to be, you know, no matter how successful I was, I was always chained to a stove. I couldn't leave. I couldn't go home and see my kids if I did have kids. And I decided to leave. And during that process, the place that I worked at, they did a big renovation. It was a $20 million renovation. The renovation was always delayed. Now being a chef in, in charge of like 165 chefs, my job was to make sure things happened and, and things happened on time or, or I would have got fired. And I didn't understand that this $20 million renovation got delayed when they're working with non-perishable items. I'm working with food that, that goes rotten. So I got out of the chef business and I started working with my father that owned a painting company and, and I started painting. And then we took this small company from two people and we grew it, I believe, the first year to about eight people or nine people with four or five different trucks. And essentially what I did is I just took all the skills that I learned as a chef and how to organize and how to multitask and how to be able to run teams of people efficiently. And I applied it to the renovation game. And then I realized quickly that making 15, 15 bucks an hour wasn't the best use of my time. 
So I started looking at ways to make more money, and I started doing crown molding, and then I started doing basement renovations, and then I actually got picked up by um, a producer for HGTV that was at a trade show and asked me if I'd do some on-air TV stuff. And being new to the business, I said, sure, why not? My dad's like, are you nuts? Like, you have no skills here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were a chef six months ago, and now you're going to be on HGTV, and you're going to do renovations? Are you crazy? I said, yeah, a little bit. I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. So luckily, I had a good teacher, and I started working for um, – HGTV, we did renovations on air, and then two or three years later after that, I decided that there was more money to be made by doing it behind the scenes. So I picked up contracts for HGTV, uh, W Network, and uh, I did some work for House and Home Magazine. So that was two years into my career. I started learning how to build high-end bathrooms, $40,000, $50,000 high-end bathrooms. Um, and then I realized the same thing. I'm working too hard. I'm not making enough money. I'm not home enough. And I'm always chained to a drill or a hammer or some customer job. So then I decided, why not try to do one flip a year? So I started for the next four or five years doing one flip a year. After the one one flip a year, I started doing two and then three and then four. And then eventually I got to the point after about six years that I called up all my clients and I said, basically, I'm no longer in the business. I'm not, I, I basically fired them. I'm, I'm not working for you anymore. And, and then interestingly enough, they started asking about investing. So then I started realizing that I could really amp up things when I didn't have a customer in the way, when I could make my own decisions and and I could speed projects up a lot quicker. And then I started flipping houses and I'd start with, I started with one a year and I went up to anywhere from I think 12 a year, the most I've ever done. That's a lot, 12. That's a busy year. Way too much. Yeah. Way too much. That's why I'm bald. I have no hair left because of too many many flips. (laughs) And so, and how were you finding the uh, flips at that time? Were you looking online? Were you looking like with a realtor? Were you looking on your own a mixture? Well, I started like everyone does look working with a realtor. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't really find the right people. I, I found people that were telling me about black lampshades would be nice to sell houses and, and all these things that really, I'm a very common sense type of person. I learned quickly that most realtors don't flip houses. And if they do, then you really want to work with them. I started with the realtors. That didn't work out. Then I started door knocking. I, I consistently door knocked, I don't know, a couple hundred houses um, every year. Consistently go back. I started with, and then I did the flyers. I've done stickers. I have people on payroll, hydro, um, disaster relief places, uh, garbage disposal places. I, ha- I have people on payroll. And, that, and now, quite honestly, I'm buying them right off MLS. I, yeah. I, I'm buying them. Everyone says you can't do it, and I got my license a year ago, and I bought four myself in the last year right off MLS. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more off MLS right now. I, I've, I have a more proven recipe that I just keep repeating over and over again. Cool. Just out of curiosity, are you finding flips over in, in Durham, that area? Are they uh, a lot of multiple offers on those type of properties, or are you finding some diamonds in the rough? With the flips, I've been more on a, on a, on a hold. Um, I've been holding a lot the last year and a half, two years. I've been buying a lot and holding them, so I'm buying – grandma's house with the pink carpet and the pink toilet seats and pink tubs and stuff like that. Not really nasty stuff, but typically I'm getting the day they come on the market and I'm paying cash. Yeah. So like as soon as they come up on MLS, I know I drive there, I see the house, I have the offer, I drive over to the agent's office, I hand it to them or I fax it in and, and it's usually a done deal. Like I, I, speed in this business is, is probably the most important in this type of market anyways. For sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so why did you really become a realtor? And I guess more importantly, how has that changed your business or your outlook on uh, real estate investing? Well, I, I think the biggest reason that I became a realtor is that because I couldn't teach full circle. I, I could teach I could teach everything but getting you into a house. So I could buy a house, I could bring you there, I could teach you the whole process, but I couldn't I couldn't find you comps. I couldn't take you to the house. I couldn't show you comparable houses. And and to be quite honest, I didn't really think about the money. I thought more about my school would be full circle if I had my license because I can actually show you comps. I can bring you to houses. It's changed that way because instead of just doing the flip school, it's like I'm actually helping people build big portfolios. So instead of me buying a house all the time, which I still do, now it's like, okay, you want to really flip houses or you want to build a portfolio of properties? This is the house you're going to buy. Here's the contractors you're going to use or you can use. Here's a list of everything you're going to need. Here's an actual comp. And, and I, can, I can actually help them start to finish. The other benefit to it is I used to charge seven to $8,000 for my flip school. And some people don't want to pay that money, <laughs> even though it's well worth it in my opinion. But if, for example, if I help them buy a house... I'll probably make $7,000 commission and no one really cares about that. Mm. And I can give them all the content for free. So I really don't have any, any competition in that aspect. And what normally happens is I sell them the house. I make the same amount of money that I would before I charge them a fee to help them consult on the project. And then I sell the property for them. And, And the insurance that they have in that whole situation is here's the house. Here's my consulting. Here's what it's going to sell for. Like I'm, doing something that most realtors would not want to ever dare do. Pretty good setup. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking a lot of risk too, because I'm actually putting my, my money where my mouth is. It's, it's, it's scary at times, but it's a lot of fun. But you know, I can teach better. I'm a, I'm a better teacher when I'm teaching them in their own business. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah, for sure. No, that's an awesome model because from a marketing perspective too, people are going to take a course or a, or a, a school like this, if I don't know what you're charging now, but if it's not that seven, eight thousand dollars up front and you're making it on the back end, it makes it a lot easier for them to get in, right? It actually makes it a lot easier for people that really want to learn. Yeah. It, it, it's like, like I said earlier, I'm scratching an itch I had 14 years ago. If someone came to me with, with exactly what I proposed to people, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in. I, I get to learn how to flip houses. You show me exactly what I need to do. As a realtor and as a mentor, I'm still on the hook. I, I don't want you losing money and going to all your friends and saying, oh, Ian sold me this house and this is what it was supposed to sell for and it didn't. You know, we do have times when the numbers don't come in exactly as they're supposed to come in. But, you know, I'm putting myself out there more than the average person. I think it benefits everybody. I really do. It keeps me on my toes. It, it, it keeps my, um, you know, my experience on fire. I have to be on my toes. I can't, I can't, I can't nap. If <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's interesting. It's getting my wheels spinning. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, it's almost a no brainer, right? Because how many times does a realtor say to you, Oh, this is a great flip. Okay. Do you flip houses? No. Have you ever flipped a house? No. Okay. How do you know it's a great flip? Because it's the listing that they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I I've run into that so many times. Right, everyone will tell you that. Like, and I'm not, I'm not judging realtors. Like, to be honest with you, I, I think the majority of them want to do a good job. But I'm actually putting every time I sell a house, I'm pretty well putting my reputation on the line. 
You know, like I'm, so I'm and, and the benefit to this, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the benefit this, to this, it, it, it's very funny for, as a realtor, Sandy, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I'll bring clients to the house and they'll say, well, I don't know. There seems to be too much work and I'm not really sure. And they're not ready. Right. And that's fine. I'm not here to push you. I'll just say, look, here's the house I have. You like it? Yes or no? If not, let's move on. I actually buy them. So I had this happen four times last year where I brought people in and said, I'm going to buy this house. If you don't buy it, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> and they, they don't, they think, oh yeah, okay, buddy, that's a good sales technique. I'm like, I'm not joking. And one of them that I bought was listed for 271000 in Whitby. It's on Perry Street. Okay. And when I, when I got down to, down to the numbers and I went to the, the town and asked what it's zoned for, that's when I made my decision. It's zoned for an eight-unit apartment building. And it was what? It was listed for 271000 And what was the house at, at the time? What was it being used as? It's a bungalow, and I converted it to a duplex. So, but now you have the option of somewhat, sometime down the road if you wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually going to be building – I purchased kind of an ugly house in Brooklyn on a very good street. And I'm going to actually redo the – tear the house down and build a brand new custom house. And at the same time, I'm going to build uh, the 8 unit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what did you do then? You So are you going to leave the existing 2 unit there and build I – mean, you can't do that, right? Build the 8 no. unit behind it? Um, I'm – I'm struggling a little bit with plans right now because what I would like to do is I'd like to build eight small townhouse units. So each of them would have, let's say they're 20 feet wide or 18 feet wide with a garage. Those would be a unit, each one. And the town doesn't like that too much. So I'm working with an architect to figure out how I can do that. The reason I'm trying to do that is because eventually, well, for one, they're going to rent a lot higher, probably $1,500 a month plus utilities for like a small two-bedroom or three-bedroom town. Mm. And then in 20 years down the road, I want to convert them and sell them. So they'd have separate gas, separate heat, separate hydro. Right on, yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I hear you when you say you, when you, when people won't, you know, they're moving slow. It happen, happens to me almost daily. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it cool? Isn't it cool saying, because I know you invest, right? Isn't it cool to be able, I can't imagine being a realtor and not having this experience. Oh, it's huge. I mean, the amount of realtors out there, I mean, I, I don't know how you can even, I don't know how you'd struggle, really, wouldn't you, like, trying to sell anything if you can't be confident in it yourself that you would buy it or you would flip it or whatever you do with it. Um, just to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right, because got a lot of people that just decide they're going to be real estate agents and they think it's just going to be all, like, wow, look at the view from this window. Yeah. You know, that's really the expertise that they have. Yeah. So to just know what you're talking about before you get into it means a world of value for the people, for clients. And, and, and to be quite honest, like I run into this a lot and it's not, it's not realtors solely, but it's also like real estate investment networks where it's like, if you're an investor, which Sandy is, and I know you are too, Rob, when you go there and you buy these places, you're putting your money on the line. You got to have big balls to do this. This is not like some small little thing. We talk about it like it's no big deal. It's it's a big deal. And when you go out and you look at these these properties, or you go to these investment networks, or you, you talk to other realtors, and they're like, "Yeah, I make millions doing this." But do you even know what you're buying? Yeah. Like, do you even any idea that your business is in these four walls? If you don't know how these four walls work, how how can you make an educated de- decision? on putting your money down. 
Well, they're banking on the realtor, maybe, I suppose, right? Yeah. I, and it kind of scares me in a way when you, when you really look at it, because this business is about four walls, really. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you make money when you buy. And if you have a good plan, you can make more money. But a lot of the times, it's, it's more focused on, let's buy more houses. I got a better idea. Why don't you learn how your business actually works? Well, yeah, it's never about the quantity, right? It's the quality. If you're, I'd rather have one fantastic buy than you know five, you know, overpaying for it. I agree with you 100. percent But of course, don't let those don't let those okay deals go by either. Waiting for the home run. Well, for sure, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and especially now, like I think we talked about this for all a bit, like about the market and, and where we're at in the Durham region. Six years ago, we had to do all these funky ceilings and wainscoting to get our refi values or, or you know, sale prices. And, and now, you know, the place that we seen the other day went for three fifty, and it was, it was not even legal in Oshawa. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I was actually in contact with the seller before it went on the market, and I thought that was ludicrous because he was trying to give me first – you know, first dibs on it. I dropped a letter to him because I saw them renovating it a while ago. Or I saw the bin there, you know. So when it was done, he gave me a call and threw that number at me, and I just kind of laughed and and I thought that was way too much. Well, and, funny enough, I knew him from an event, and I went in and I showed somebody the property, and he's like, "No, it's going to be three fifty, three fifty nine." And I was just like, "Is it legal? No, it's not legal." It showed really nice. Like they they did a good job. But that just goes to show you, legal products or good products are going to sell. Like I can't believe it sold for three fifty and not being legal. Now, having said that, I gave him a bunch of tips on how he could get it legal, and now he has that window of opportunity. It's really interesting how the market. Like I've been talking about Durham Region for like ten years, and no one even listened to me. Now, uh-huh. now it's exploded. Is that is that illegal? What duplex? It's not a legal duplex. No, just got a separate unit in the. In it's the, a duplex though, not a triplex. A duplex. duplex. Yeah. Three fifty. Wow. It's it's across the road from my house. Oh yeah, yeah, basically. Hmm. So, do you think? I know we're <laughs> we're just kind of talking about stuff that's not going to make sense to a lot of people, but we can edit it out or whatever. But do you think could he get more than three fifty? It was to legalize that place. I don't think he could. Like I, think, I don't think so either. I think he's like when I talked to him about it, I said you're probably going to get someone that excuse me that wants to have these up, upgraded finishes and probably has their mother in law or somebody living in the basement. Hmm. But I can't see it work. I'd be I'd be shocked if more selling for that around that price. Like I was shocked when he got it, and I looked it up. I was like, "This is crazy thing." So I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. To be honest, with you. I just know I'm glad I, I kept the whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. All right, Ian. What was your aha moment with real estate, or maybe you've had a couple of them? I'm sure you've had a bunch along the way. But what, what are one or two that stand out? The real big ones for were for me, and they don't seem that big probably to anybody else. Just grinding away at the town. Like when I started, you weren't allowed to build duplexes. They, they frowned upon it. I think just being persistent and grinding it out and getting the answers that I wanted. I, I built a brand new triplex in Whitby and uh, I had so many problems. They, they tried to charge me $47,000 in additional charges and I got out of it. And They changed the whole bylaw after that particular property. And, and to me, that was like, I don't have an education in this. I, I, don't, I never went to school for development, but I was just persistent and I worked really hard and, and I got the answers that, that I wanted to get. And yeah, I, I think working hard and pulling it off was great. But I think the other thing I'm really, really proud of was I, I think the books were a big thing for me. 
you know, I'm not very good at reading and writing and to see my thoughts on paper was the first time I've ever seen it. So it was, it was really it freaked me out. And he, and I guess the, the next thing to that would, would be the, the school. The school is a ton of fun. You know, I did the school for five years for free. <laughs> you know, I still do it for free. I still take calls and it's just really cool to see someone that has no experience building or renovating anything and then seeing them nervous and then actually showing them and then they change. It, it, I don't know. It's, you know, a hundred years ago, we used to build things with our hands and now we do in my iPad. So I, I think there's something to be said about working with your hands and standing back and, you know, enjoying the fruits of, of what you can do with your body. Yeah, that's really cool. The confidence they must have eh? after that, they must just totally change. Well, it, it's, it all starts the same th- way. And I talked to Rob with Everyone thinks that they don't have experience with renovations that they're at, they're at a disadvantage. And I actually think they're at an advantage because I know too much about renovations. I want to fix everything. I don't, I don't see it. You know, I see it as a business, but I also see it as a, as a passionate, creative, artsy kind of thing. You know, if you're just looking at it like Quentin does, numbers, sense, and, and what makes sense, and just renovating what you need to renovate to make it work, you know, he's taught me a lot of things about that. And, and I think... You know, when I teach people, I just want them to learn what to look for, what to look out for, and when to stop the job. And if yeah. you learn those three things, you can save a lot of money and time. Yeah, and that's one of the big things that you see on all of the shows is the the person goes in there with their own vision of what they would do with it if they were going to live there. So they end up wanting to put a loft in where there's no loft and spending just a boat ton of money and you know, stuff goes wrong and they're over budget and they can't fix other things because they've got this passionate idea that they think they need to get out. Just it's always been their dream and they can't let it go. Yeah, it is one of those things that you really have to get over. I mean, the one, the house that Sandy and I are working on right now, we could do, we could just go on and on and on. I mean, there's no end to what you can do. You got to, yeah, exactly. Say stop somewhere, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of times the hardest part is to stop. It is tough. So you've done a number of uh, of TV appearances, like you said, on HDTV, um, W Network, and rumor has it that you may be working on something new. Can you share any info about that with us? Uh, I would love to, but it, there's probably five massive lawyers that will come down on me like <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. So I'll give you I can give you a bit. I was in Florida for seven weeks shooting a pilot for HDTV. It's going very well. It is. Um, I'm not allowed to say too much, so I'm trying to re- trying to think about what I can tell you, what I can't. All I can say is I've been waiting a really long time to do a real show with real investors, um, with real money and real stakes. If I'm if I was a bet man, I'd bet you, you you'll probably see it in the new year. Okay, cool, cool. I, what's your? Do you have any takeaways from doing that? Like, did you learn anything about? Uh, I don't know, yourself maybe or anything during the process? Yeah, like I learned a ton, man. Like first off, it was it was considerably difficult. Part of the show, um, there's a general contractor that's not hired by me. So I had to take a step back from the renovation, which was a really good thing for me because I have to, uh, I'm used to being all in. And it was kind of nice to just be the investor and step back and, and let someone else deal with the trades and, and stuff like that. I learned that I'm really hard on myself. Doing a lot of the interviews, you know, you're filming for 12 hours a day. It's a real construction site. Your energy has to be 10 times higher than it normally is. I'm really high energy, but, you know, I have to be 10 times higher in order for it to come across the camera. So 
So I got a lot of coaching and a, and a lot of um, producers that helped me. For 14 years, I've been my own boss. So, you know, I pretty well do what I want to do <laughs> when I want to do it. And, and to be on call and, hey, you got to be on site at this time and you got to wear this shirt and you got you got to do this and that. That was difficult. But I learned a lot of patience, to be honest. I learned, you know, I can't control everything. Not to take myself too seriously and, and remember, this is just TV. It, it's not... I'm not perfect. You know, I have nervous twitches. Uh, I get nervous when the camera's around. I, I'm learning how to deal with certain things. And, yeah, I'm just humble and I'm grateful. You know, when at the end of the day when I look at it, I, I got to go to Florida for, for eight weeks. I got paid to go there. I learned about the Florida market. You know, I learned how to be more humble. I learned how to be not so hard on myself. I learned how to be a better person in front of a camera. I got training by the best people, I think, in, in North America. Uh, and I got paid for it. So, at the end of the day, if nothing ever happens, I'm in a pretty good position. I'm pretty grateful for, for the opportunities that I do have. Well, I'm looking forward to it, so I can't wait until that comes out. So you do offer an educational program, Flip School. We've touched on it a bit here. You teach people you know, how to do it right. I guess you've already told us how you started it, but do you want to tell us what the future for Flip School is and what people might learn? Yeah, I think, I think the future of Flip School, first off, is... My mandatory course is my weekend course, which is a two-day course. I believe it's six ninety-nine for two days. And, and basically what I do is I give them like a little Baskin-Robbins scoop of every single thing that I do. And this is what flipping is. And, and part of the most successful thing for me anyways, and most people won't admit this, but I like to admit it, is when people stand up and say, you know what, I didn't realize there's this much work in flipping, and I don't want to do it anymore. For me, that's probably the most rewarding rewarding thing about flip school because it's 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 a true take of of what the, this business is without the suits and the ferraris and the fancy cars and all the girls laying on the boats it's this is how it is and it's hard work and if you can wrap your head around it you can make money but it's hard work and, it, and it's persistence so the first thing is the two-day course and then after the two-day course what i what i really like is is someone that wants to to do this and i help them find a house and, and i move through the process I have four or five other ideas that I'm that I'm working on, but time is is limited, and um, I'd love to do flip school every day. But hopefully, one day I'll be able to do that. Yeah, so obviously, uh, flip school is a great place for someone looking to get into flipping to at least maybe take that first step. We want to recommend that to everyone to to check it out. Flipschool.ca is that the website? That's correct. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, maybe if someone's out there looking at their first flip. What improvements should people focus on to add value to a property? What are some of the main parts they should uh, work on? I, re- I really like, I'm a big believer in, in the duplexes, triplexes. Um, it's a little bit more advanced. You need to know a little bit more about renovations. On the cosmetic flips, I, I try to make people stay away from them when they're starting because there's not a lot of money in it. If you make one mistake or if you don't have a good mentor, you can chew up some, some good coin. But overall, my whole thing is, the first way to make money is the change of use. If you can change a single family to a duplex, you're going to have that much of a cushion to protect yourself. So adding that second suite, the second bathroom, second kitchen, fire separation, all that stuff adds value. If you're looking at a rehab or you're looking at just a cosmetic flip, a lot of it for me is as soon as you walk in the main room, um, I'm doing you know 99-cent laminate that I get at Brampton Flooring that looks like $4 stuff you get at Home Depot. Lighting's a big thing. Kitchens and bathrooms, I really don't spend that much money. They are important and people talk about them and, and people really like them. But, you know, I've 
I'm taking some notes from Mr. Quentin D'Souza, and I'm using sticky tiles. <laughs> Even though I, I, I was cursing him when I first did it. Like, I was, you know, I'm used to doing 24 by 24 marble with a heated floor. And I'm right. taking these tiles, and we're sticking them down <coughs> on top of tiles, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to hell for this, for sure. <laughs> but, no, I, I, to be quite honest, I think if it's clean, if it's presentable, and it's priced right, you're going to make money. Well, it also depends on where you are, too, right? For sure. Like, yeah. You're not going to go to Aurora and, and be putting down sticky tiles. Well, some places. Some parts. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, I, I guess it's it's so hard to to pick one thing and, and, and dial in on it. But I think the most important thing is if you don't have proof, don't buy anything. Okay? Like exact proof. Like, this is an exact house on the exact street or two streets over. And, and a lot of people get confused with the comps. And I see that all the time. Well, this one sold for 480 Great. You know, that was two years ago, and it was in the wrong area. I, I think you need to do your homework. I really do. Yeah, well, we like that whole duplexing idea, too. And I'm not going to – well, we probably got that from you. I would imagine in the first place. It's been so long that I can't remember, to be honest with you. But it's been going really well. That that is it's such a huge thing when you're trying to add value that I'd say that's number one for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I think the big thing that people get confused with is the shotgun approach where they're looking for one flip in one area and one flip in another area, and you got a hoarder house and a grow up, and and then they're trying to create this business. They they don't have like the bread and butter flip. Like my bread and butter flip is something I buy off MLS. I convert to a duplex. Um, right now, I'm keeping them, I'm refining them, and I'm and I'm keeping them, or I could sell them and make 30, 40 grand. And and the consistency in this business, flipping, if that's what your sole business is, is you need some kind of bread and butter that you can continually repeat, like any good business that you can scale and have systems. If if you're doing the shotgun approach, it's it's extremely difficult to to get traction because you don't have the same trades, you don't have the same people. It it's not a business; it's just a hobby. It's a lot more work too because you got to do research in this area, research in that area, you know, really get to know what you're talking about in each of those areas before you can make any real quality decisions on what you should be doing. So it's a lot easier. Just I think that was your point. Just sort of focus on an area. Yeah, and I think that, funny enough, I came up. I know Sandy, you work with Mark, and and I came up with this. The whole duplex thing came up when in 2008 when the market crashed to be honest, because Mark and I owned a house in the beaches and uh, we were going to list it, I think the day of or the day after the market crashed. And we were going to make sixty or $70,000, I think, each. And we walked away with four grand in our pocket each and we paid all our bills and we were like, okay, we need to make some changes here. <laughs> so that, that whole market crash kind of evolved this whole duplexing and, you know, the market crash is great. You know, I increased my rent and I keep my... My flip that I have right now, no big deal. But you know, when you have a house worth seven or eight hundred thousand dollars in the beaches, good luck making that thing make money every month. Right. So, what's the juiciest secret you can share with us and the listeners for someone who wants to get into flipping houses? The juiciest secret. Yeah. Well, oh, man, now you guys put me on the spot. <laughs> juiciest secret. Maybe it's the conversions, or maybe there's is there something else better. I think the biggest secret that I can offer anyone, and this isn't a plug for me as a mentor, I think the biggest secret in this business is you can pay now or you can pay later. You know, if you pay now, you're going to shave five to seven years off your career. 
And five to seven years off your career is probably five to six million dollars in real estate. So I think if I had to do it all over again, I would write someone a check for twenty or thirty grand, or whoever could help me, or or if they were doing the same model as me, helping buy places. I would say, okay, I'm going to go with somebody. Help me buy ten places or five places, or start off with two. You know, I tried to do everything by myself. You know, and uh, I think if I had to listen to more people and and had better mentors, I think I think I'd be in Jamaica right now, relaxing. So you would have kept a lot more of them instead of flipping them, just straight up flipping them. I I don't know if I, I would keep more of them. It's just. I'm very curious, and I, I start off doing all kinds of different things. <laughs> so I, I, I think if I had someone that could keep me on track, I'd be in a much better position. I'm in a great position now. Like, I got nothing to complain about. But if I was going to give advice to somebody starting out, I would say you need to hire a mentor that actually does it. Don't hire someone standing on a stage just because they got a fancy suit and they're beside an ex-president. Yeah. All right? Like, you know, I teach my seminars in a T-shirt and a ball cap, and I, I like to keep it that way. I, I, I just... I think you got to surround yourself with really good people. Another thing is, is Quentin D'Souza has been my friend for like six years since he started this group. And, you know, he comes to dinner and our families hang out. And, you know, this business isn't easy. You know, a lot of times just because I've written books doesn't mean I don't get insecure about properties and I have issues with financing and I have issues buying houses and I have issues with renovations. I have the same issues as, that, as everybody else, except I have really good friends in good positions that can walk me through you know, my own insecurities because, you know, when you're boring hundreds and thousands of dollars and millions, in, in my case, sometimes your mental health is depending on what's going on. You need support. You can't build a multi-million dollar business without good friends and people that aren't connected to the outcome. Thanks for mentioning Quentin. I had to have him down to the, the, the one that we're working on. Uh, we ended up having to do a, an exterior dig. And when that came up, I was trying to figure out what to do when I, when I really realized that there was water coming in for sure. And, uh, and that was a hard thing to swallow. And Quentin came down and just, of course, he offered a bunch of practical advice. But then he said, don't worry, you're going you're gonna to get through it. You know, this will pass and it'll just be another accomplishment that you've had. Even just that, you know, I was at the point where I almost wanted to walk away. And then now it's all done and you do just look back and with, with somebody there to walk you through it, help you out and give you a couple of words of encouragement. It means the world. Yeah. And, and I, I know Quinn, if I had, had these conversations, I have a couple other people that I, that I talk to. And even when I, when I buy houses now, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll say, Hey, why don't you come by and grab a coffee and take a look? I think when you get to the point where, you think you know everything or, or you've done a hundred flips and or you've refinanced 50 properties or you've written these books or you did TV shows. It really doesn't mean shit. Like we're all human. I, I just, I just think this business is more about keeping really good people that do it and, and keep them close. And, and, and if they're not connected, it's even better. Do you know what I mean? If they're not connected to you making money and it's like, look, Quentin, I have this problem or Rob, what do you think about this place? You know, sometimes you're just having a bad day. <laughs> you know, this this business isn't easy. It, it's a lot of work, and and it's important you treat it like it like a business. But it's it's also important to have good support. And I so think is- probably a good way to get support like that is to hire a mentor. I'd go to schools like yours. Go to seminars, meetups, all that type of stuff. You know, obviously that's going to be critical to your success throughout in this business. So yeah, definitely, definitely hiring a mentor is a great first step. I think. I guess what I run into a lot 
is, is kind of the investor mentality where it's like, I want to save as much money as possible. I want to make the realtor hurt. I don't want to make, give him his full commission. Yeah. Right. And, and I used to be like that. I, I'll, I'll say it. Like I used to grind them. I used to tell them nonsense. I used to do all that stuff. And then, and then it gets to the point where you realize, you know what? You're not going to build a sustainable business looking after yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pay your realtor the money. If my drywaller comes in and says, it's going to be $1,500 to drywall um, the basement and tape it, I'm the first one to say to you, buddy, I want you for the next job. Okay? That's not the right price. Okay? You're no good to me if you do one job and I have to go search for someone else the next job. The right price is 2200 bucks. Okay? I'm happy to pay you 2200 bucks because what's going to happen is you're going to drywall my basement and you're going to get a call from somebody else and then you're going to ditch me. <laughs> so my whole philosophy now is pay people what they're worth, give them the respect they deserve, and keep good friends close to you. And, and I think you'll, you'll turn out pretty good. Well, yeah. Nobody wants to work for someone who's underpaying or uh, treating them however, like they treating them like they're less than they should be. For sure. Well, that's really interesting. I can honestly say I wouldn't think of doing that, offering somebody more than what they what they quoted on it. But so here's the thing, right? Like, and this came up in one of my flip schools about three weeks ago, and he was a lawyer, and he said, "You're ridiculous." I said, "Okay, so tell me why. Why would don't you want to make money?" I said, "Yeah, I want to make money, but I want to make a sustainable business. If I have to be here babysitting drywallers every job, I can't go look for any more properties." And he came back after the break and he came to me and he said, he said, I'm a lawyer and I make $300 an hour. And after the last 14 years, I've had two people that question what I make. I said, okay. I said, would you work for those two people ever again? <laughs> he goes, no. He goes, you made me realize a very good point. I'm looking for professionals. I want, I want to pay people that can get things done on a consistent basis, not just one job. So, yeah, and, and that's only a recent thing that, you know, that's only two, three years. I used to grind guys. I think real, as a realtor, you probably see that a lot too. I mean, there's a lot of talk about that these days. Real estate agents, you know, grinding them on their commissions and that. I mean, the best way to get a realtor to work hard for you is to pay them what they're worth. Well, the, the, the thing is, is what I'm learning, you know, I used to be the guy that backed all the realtors, to be honest with you. Yeah. What I'm learning is, most of the people that are realtors want to work hard. The, the problem, I think, is, is the people don't know what they want. And I think the hardest part, as being a realtor, is having the confidence to tell them, I think this is what you want. So, like, if you can't, let's say I'm a customer of you, Sandy, and I want to buy a place. So I can't tell you what I want, and I can't make a decision, and I can't direct you. How are you going to serve me? Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of time. Right? I'm thinking I have a lot of clients running through my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't mention any names, but, you know, part of my job at Flip School is, are you going to be reactive or proactive? You know, if I'm a realtor and I say, if I go to a realtor and I say, hey, uh, I'm looking for a bungalow in 1950s to 1970s in Whitby on a 50-foot lot, okay? I want an ugly bungalow or something that needs work. Okay, I'm looking to spend anywhere from two hundred and sixty to three hundred thousand. Once you get one, I will pay cash, and I'll buy it that day. Like, as a realtor, that is gold. 
That, yeah. Damn. Give me 10 of those guys. Oh, yeah. Right? Give me but, as many as you can find. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the problem is, is we actually have to train, you know, as a realtor, I put my realtor hat on, we have to actually train clients. You know, our job is not just showing houses. It's it's training the perception of what they should see and what they should look at and what they, you know, this is what it's going to happen here and this is what it's going to happen if you buy this place. And quite honestly, I fire a lot of clients because of that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, look, I don't have... I don't have two days to explain to you how this is going to work. That's part of flip school. Join flip school and I'll teach you what you need to look for. All right. Because I think realtors have a hard, hard job. Like trying to get someone, let's be honest as a realtor, we're taking on everybody's insecurities, what they like, what they don't like, what, what their wife or their husband thinks they should do, but they shouldn't do or what their uncle thinks or their aunt thinks, or maybe they need to bring their father or their brother-in-law to check at the same time. And then they still won't make a decision. Like, I'm not trained for mental health, right? I'm just trained to show people houses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry what happened to you when you were young, but I can't deal with that. You need to make a decision. Like, is this what you want or not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're dealing with everybody's mental problems. Honestly, I think we are. Yeah, and that, I mean, I'm sure you guys have run into that because that's one of the things that happened with the house that we did flip was, well, I mean, I'm just guessing, but there was the same people that came through it two or three times and then brought their family. And then uh, you, you figure that, okay, there's either going to be an offer or there isn't after this, and then there wasn't. So you've got dad walking around critiquing everything and and talking people out of it. So it is sort of a... It is kind of strange how outside influences and people's day-to-day whatever they're going through is getting in the way of making a practical decision when it comes to what you guys do. And quite, quite honestly, I'd rather deal with investors. I just, I just don't have the, the time, and that, and that's what I'm good at, right? Like, but aren't so, you finding people that are mostly sort of on the outskirts? They want to become investors, so you're grabbing them right at the right at the start. Of their career. Well, to be honest, I'd love to grab them at the start because the ones that you don't get at the start have been to like every seminar down by the airport and join every group and every and everything that they can possibly get. And they have so many different opinions, but they don't want to do, take action. Mm-hmm. Right? I would rather someone know nothing, and, and not just for my benefit to make a sale. I, I would rather say, come to Flip School for two days. Let me teach you everything that I can possibly teach you in two days, and then make a decision if you even want to get into this business. People don't even ask themselves this question. Did, do you want to be in this business? Are you just bored at home and you're sick of watching Oprah? I don't know. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like, like the, the calls I get a week to meet and have coffee, and, it, and it's like people are lonely. Well, I don't know how you could get sick of watching Oprah. <laughs> um, so we've just got one last practical question for you, sure. which is, so, and and I'm bringing this up because I heard you speak on the weekend and you talked a lot about scope of work when you're doing a renovation project. So I thought we could touch on that. I know you're very thorough and probably have some good advice to give on that subject. The thing about scope of work is that as a real estate investor, our job is is to give a recipe to a renovator, give a list to a renovator, detailed, specific list. If we can't do that, then what we're getting is somebody else's expectation of what your flip should be or your renovation should be. And typically in society, that's how people work. They'll call a contractor and say, can you come and help me? 
And my approach is completely different. My approach is, this is what I need done. Can you do this? It's a very different approach, like asking for help or saying, I'm looking for someone to facilitate these needs. And when you can do that, you're attracting a person that is more inclined to serve you. Okay? The other way, you're putting yourself in a position where, well, you asked me to do this renovation, so now I've done it, now you're not happy. When am I going to get paid? The other way is, I've asked you to paint this wall. Um, here's the color of the paint. Here's the product where you buy it at Home Depot. Here's the SKU number. Here's the sheen of the paint. Here's exactly what I want you to do and how, how you should do it. And the reason I do that, it sounds ridiculous, and people always look at me weird when I say that. The reason that I'm doing that is there's so many variables in your opinion and my opinion. And the more you can write down what your opinion is and what you expect from somebody, the easier it is for you to oversee them and make sure they're doing exactly what you said to do. So you can't really critique someone unless you're giving them a roadmap. And the roadmap actually protects you from spending extra money. It also, it also gives you a small education on the renovation business if you don't have a lot of experience. And you can track yourself throughout that whole scope of work. So at the end of the day, the scope of work is an extremely detailed, organized list that you're going to give to a contractor and have them bid on it. Right. So then they know exactly what you're expecting out of them and they can give you a price. And at the end of the day, when you're done, it's not like, well, if you're talking about electrician, let's say, well, you didn't tell me about this plug needing to be moved over there or, or you, you, like we're adding a dryer over here, that kind of thing. And then the, it gets added up and added up. So if you have, if you're very thorough about all of this, and like you said, I mean, it, it, like, to some people that may sound ridiculous, and you know, when you first hear it, I'm sure anybody might think it does, but it's there's a big difference between saying, "Make this place look good, go," <laughs> you know, and actually telling them what you expect out of them, because what somebody's idea of what looks good is not the same as you know my idea or your idea. Yeah, and the, and the way I. I I look at it, it's like going to the gym. If you can't write down how many reps you did of 200 pounds, how are you going to improve? Right? From a real estate investor's point of view, my, the way I see it is the more thorough and proactive I am, the more properties I can buy. The sooner I can retire. The sooner I can spend more time with my kids. Right? Some people just, it's like I said earlier, you can pay now or pay later. If you pay now and spend your time and do focused scope of works and you make mistakes along the way and you start addressing them and working on it, you're building a portfolio in your brain of what things should look like and how jobs should pan out. Well, the cool thing about what you're saying there is that, I, I mean, I think that ties into the realtor talk we were saying earlier is just knowing what you want helps the realtor really serve you best. At the same time, a contractor is the same way, right? If you can tell them exactly what you want, they're going to be able to serve you just that much better. Yeah. And if, if we look at it, the flipping business is perceived as like a cowboy business or the real estate investor business is more like a cowboy business. If you just look at it like a regular business and have your systems, your procedures, what you expect, what you don't expect, you have control. If you just cowboy it, which I did a lot, to be honest with you, you got no control. You're flying by the seat of your pants. You don't know when that contractor has ripped you off. You don't know if it's taken them too long. You, you don't know because what happens is, you know, I even go down to the point where I'm going to pay people. So I'll send a text message. I'll pay you this much up front, this much again, uh, this much at this time. 
Like I'm setting expectations for every single thing that I do. When I need something done in a room, I need touch-ups, I will put a piece of green tape. I will number them, one, two, and three. I'll take three pictures. I'll send them with a detailed list to the painter. It's like a well-oiled machine. I don't want to get in my car and drive to the house to show them three spots that he missed. So we've touched on your books. So aside from your two real estate books, again, they're Fix and Flip, which you co-authored with Mark Loeffler, and the other one is From Rentals to Riches. Can you recommend a must-read book to our audience? I can. I like one of my favorite books is uh, by Quentin D'Souza, actually. (laughs) It's the Property Management Toolbox. I'm not a very good landlord. (laughs) <laughs> I'm actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm learning how to be a good landlord. I'm learning how to be a good landlord. So yeah, I've, to be quite honest, funny enough, when I sell a new investor or an old investor a house, I actually give them a ticket to Quintus Court. I think it's unbelievable. I've been to a lot of different courses, but if you're going to be flipping houses, you need to be holding. And they go hand in hand. If, and if you're weak on one area, then I suggest you dig deeper on it. And I'm weak at it. So I'm, I'm learning how to be a better landlord. Mm-hmm. I think Quentin's book there, The Property Management Toolbox, is kind of similar to your Renos to Riches. It's really a, there's so much how-to and how to handle this situation. It's nuts and bolts type of thing. Yeah, it's super practical. For those of you, I guess, who missed it at the beginning of the episode, just go back to the beginning of the episode again. You'll hear the commercial for that book. Yeah. So, there you go. Anyway, well, thank Quentin you. on uh, Quentin's on uh, what episode to see, Rob? Three? No, two. Uh, two, yeah. Two, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is episode 18. The, 18, uh, man. You 18. guys out on yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, it's hard, to, it's hard to nail down an interview with you. It is. It is. But you know what? I'd love to come back and do another one. Maybe maybe when the show gets picked up, I'll come back and we'll announce it live. How's that? Oh, well, that'd be cool. Yeah, absolutely. So quick, Just, quickly to finish, I guess. Ian, what's next for you in your business and maybe personally too? Anything else cool coming up? I'm working on some more. I think... The best thing that I can do and, and the best the best way to to communicate for me is on video. I think I'm good on video and I'm working on doing some different uh, live video streaming and things of this nature in my in my flips. So uh, people can see all over. So there's going to be live there cameras. Yeah, and it's going to be free. So I there's quite a few people that copy copy what I do and, and they create similar programs and of that nature. And I've decided that I'm going to give a lot of it away for free. Because I enjoy doing it, it's not just a business to make money. So, I'm going to I'm going to give as much as I possibly can for free to help as many people as I possibly can. I'm in a position where I can do that, and I don't necessarily need to charge for everything I do now. So, I want to be able to have some kind of portal that I can showcase what I love doing and other people learning, and and hopefully people receive it well. That's a really great thing to do. And the other thing about it too is you've always got more. Like, here's the thing. Somebody goes and reads that info that you've put out there for free, and, and even if it is everything that you've got, they're going to come back to you, and they're going to want you to elaborate on it. They're going to want to hear it from you. They're going to want you to walk them through it. So, I mean, it's you can't be fearful of the information that you're giving away uh, no, for free. I, I agree, and, and yeah. I want to, with the you know the realtor license and being able to show people more, more and more and more of what I do. I feel this need to just continue to give a lot more. You know, now that the books are done and, and I, I think I can improve on it. I, I really do. I, I think I can. I'm constantly trying to push and, and to do better. I have an opportunity 
to really help a lot of people, and, and I want to put as much of it out there for free as I possibly can. There's, I don't think there's any better gift to give someone from financial freedom. Like, I try to look at the world like I'm 80 years old. And when I'm 80, what, what do I really care about? I care about how many people I did I help, who are my friends, how are they doing. That's kind of where I'm at today, and, and I, I just want to do more of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Fantastic uh, stuff, Ian. I, of course, we want to recommend everyone picks up your books, From Manners to Riches and Fix and Flip. I, they can just grab them at anywhere, really. Amazon.com, I'm sure, right? Or .ca? Chapters? Where else can they learn more about you? Google? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too good with all this stuff, to be honest with you. Uh, they can go to uh, my YouTube channel, Flip School, Rental Bible. Yeah. yeah, we're going to put all of these links in the show notes. You're at I Buy Ugly Houses on Twitter as well. Yeah, I need to get on Twitter, I guess, more. Is that a good idea or what? <laughs> sure, never hurts, I guess. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we really appreciate it. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll see a lot more of you. Yeah, definitely come back when you can uh, let us know about that show. I will. Once uh, everything's signed up, I will come back and I'll be happy to help you guys out because uh, I really like what you guys are doing. And I think you guys are helping a lot of people by doing this podcast. So anytime, I'd love to come back. That's what it's all about. And it's free, too, of course. Free, baby! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this has been awesome. All, all right. right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good night, Ian. You too, guys. Thanks. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.